if you are able to transform an individual, take that person to what he or she perceives is a better place, then you are a good coach. Welcome to Inspiring Leaders, the podcast that shares ideas, perspectives, and best practices from great leaders around the world to help you become a more inspired leader. Welcome back to the Inspiring Leaders podcast. I'm Terry Lepofsky, and we have an awesome and unique show for you today. We're going to hear from the global president of the International Association of Coaching to discuss a topic that you won't want to miss, and I can't wait to dig into it. The topic is transformational leadership. But before we begin, I want to take a moment to thank our listeners who have been so kind to us by leaving some great ratings and comments on iTunes and SoundCloud, like Nikki1233, who gave us a five-star rating and said the podcast is, quote, authentic and captivating. Well, thank you, Nikki1233. We think you're awesome, too. So, I mentioned that we've got a unique show for you. Well, our guest today is not only a truly inspiring leader, but he leads the International Association of Coaching. Coming to us all the way from Bangalore, India, Krishna Kumar, a huge welcome to you. Thank you, Terry. I'm both humbled and privileged to be invited to be on your podcast, and I look forward to our conversation. Can I add to that list, uh, challenged, because I want to challenge you right off the bat here with a question. Yeah. Krishna, what leader has inspired you and why? Now, that is the most interesting question I've heard in a very long time, Terry, and I can assure you that I hear a lot of interesting questions because of being a coach. If you ask me about leadership and what leader has inspired me, I would look back on it and ask myself the question that as a leader, would I want to be inspired by other leaders? Many of the leaders that we see growing from regions like Asia, India, China, ancient Greece, all parts of the world, most of these leaders seem to be inspired not by other leaders so much, but by the philosophies that they carry, by the learnings that they have got from others. So for me, leadership is, I take a step back and I say, if I'm a leader and I want to be inspired, where would I look? And I would look to philosophy. I would look to parts of spirituality. And perhaps that's because the world I inhabit today, the world that I contribute to or contributes to me is the world of coaching. Specifically, since the question was asked by you, Terry, as to who would be an inspiration for me, I would say that in my part of the world, I have been inspired by a philosopher called Jiddu Krishnamurthy, who lived in our generation, who in turn was inspired a lot of other people. And in the world of coaching, I have been deeply inspired by a person called Timothy Galway, whose works I studied in great depth and still continue to do so. Probably because Tim Galway was like me, or I am like him in many senses. He started off his career as a sports coach, became one of the leading coaches of the world. In fact, people refer to him as the father of modern coaching. So for me, inspired, who inspires a leader, I would say I would take one step back and look to people who have been studying deeper works like those of philosophy and spirituality. Wow. Krishna, nobody has ever answered that question like you just did. I think that there's a lot of depth and wisdom in what you just said. 
it fits perfectly well with the question, just from a very unique perspective. So thank you for that. I wanted to maybe give a bit of background to our story here today. When I was back uh, in my earlier career trying to climb the corporate ladder, one of the things that really struck me was the lack of training and support for people leaders. Often there's no user manual or even a job description for a lot of those folks out there. And a lot of the leaders that I saw weren't even developing key leadership skills like how to build trust or cultivate healthy relationships. And we've all seen it. Otherwise, good people in leadership positions that are very unintentionally making life miserable for their teams and their colleagues. Well, the thing is, it doesn't have to be this way. In fact, this is actually what inspired me to become an executive coach. And if I start looking at your background and your career, Krishna, you've served in several leadership positions and executive roles yourself. You've also been a sports coach, but you've been an entrepreneur you've been a teacher. Later in your career, you transitioned into executive coaching, and then you were one of the early fellows for the Institute of Coaching, an affiliate of the Harvard Medical College. You developed the AWARE coaching methodology, and eventually you became the global president of the International Association of Coaching. Where you're at now, the IAC has a mission to provide highly accountable learning certification, and an ethical framework for coaches everywhere. In other words, you're facilitating and certifying the very coaches who are helping all of those leaders around the world to become even better. And because, of course, they're leaders, there's that positive ripple effect of effective leadership, and this makes organizations better, more competitive, more successful. So first of all, I want to say thank you for all of the incredibly important work that you're doing. I'm absolutely positive that there are organizational leaders and coaches everywhere that can benefit from your experiences and your wisdom. If you don't mind, let's dive into your perspectives and start with this topic of transformational leadership. Explain to us a little bit of what this is, why it's important. Firstly, thank you so much for those kind words, Terry. I appreciate that. Before I dive into the transformational part, perhaps I should also take a few minutes to share my own personal journey as to how I got here. You shared with everybody about what I now do and what I've done in the past. I would like to say that I have now reached here. It's a journey of continuous learning and the learning continues. And when you are on a journey of continuous learning, a lot of it is accidental much as you would not want it to be. We'd love to have our lives all planned out. And, but then we also know that nothing can ever be planned and we need to be prepared for all the accidents, uh, good or bad, that would happen along the way. They can be good accidents too. In my life, I tend to believe that quite a few of the so-called accidents worked out well. <laughs> yeah. So when I was a little boy and I studied in the school and I had, you know, the school was founded by this philosopher that I mentioned called Jay Krishnamurti. And, you know, as a little kid, I listened to him come there and speak for many hours and didn't understand a thing. It was very difficult for a 12-year-old boy or a 13-year-old teenager to listen into an elderly person talk philosophy. But somewhere, something must have rubbed off. So I rewound back to all that philosophy when I was much older and perhaps a little more wise. And a lot of my early education in university, where I went to some of the best engineering and management institutes, kind of led me to being a corporate executive. I did have the good fortune to become a CEO for a multinational at a 
fairly young age, in my early 30s, there was a problem and that was an inflection point. And, and I will also share with you why I'm giving this uh, brief background. Yeah, please do. Because somewhere along my mid-30s, I felt this crisis in myself as to what was I doing. Did I really feel satisfied by the path I was taking? I was very successful. I was overseas. I had an expat posting. I had all the physical comforts that one could want. And the career was all right. But there was something missing. So at that stage, at that inflection point that I'm sure many, many people go through at many times in their life, I took a call to become an entrepreneur. And that was probably in some ways good, but that was also another six, seven years of really tough times. I did multiple things during those few years and not all of them well, some of them okay. What kept me going then was the fact that I, among the many things I experimented with was trying to be a sports coach or a tennis coach. And somewhere that hit a very deep chord in me and I felt I was good at it. I was good at it because I enjoyed being with little kids and helping them become better sportsmen, better people, because sports is not just about winning a game. It was a lot more. I also found that I could translate that a little bit into the businesses or the few businesses I was running then. And all of this at one stage, as I said, accidentally segued into my being an executive. There was a journey of multiple things that came together and brought me to what I was. But fundamentally, this journey that took me through these varied paths. At one stage, I couldn't even figure out how one world could meet the other, but it did. <laughs> and what I liked most about it was that I realized that coaching is not about teaching. Teaching is what pulls a lot of us down and coaching was more about learning. And that's where I discovered the works of Tim Galway and many others. Looked a little deeper into what I could contribute to the world, make people better learners using this medium of coaching. That's where the whole journey began. So when you talk about transformation, and I'm coming to the question. <laughs> I'm enjoying how you're getting there. <laughs> Thank you. So coaching fundamentally is, for me, it's all about bringing about positive transformation. Right. Both pro personally, professionally, in any part of your life, if you are able to transform an individual, take that person to what he or she perceives is a better place, then you are a good coach. And the person who decides you're a good coach is the person whom you brought the transformation in. And that's it. There's nobody else. in the. You can expand that. You can exponentially grow that and say, well, individuals to teams, to communities, to society at large. And that's what we really want to do. So how can coaches bring about transformation? That's the key to it. In a recent presentation that I was making, I have used an expression which I think is one of the most powerful expressions possible for coaches, which is the concept of leverage. Leverage is all about applying it at the right place, in the right way, at the right time. And then great things happen. Most great leaders in the world have got to where they are by applying leverage. All of us sit in at home and we dream about doing things and we dream about alleviating poverty and making life a better place. But those who actually did it, and many, there are great inspirational leaders who brought that about, they were able to do that by the application of leverage. Right. Leverage is it's pretty simple. And here I'll bring an analogy in which I'm very fond of using, yeah. if you will allow me to, is the concept of what is called a trim tab. It's a legendary inventor, scientist, Buckminster Fuller, who actually brought it to, to the fore when he said, there's this little piece of metal at the end of the rudder of a ship. While everybody thinks that the rudder actually steers the ship, it's really the trim tab 
that steers the rudder, that steers this multi-ton vehicle. A few pounds of a trim tab could actually move many tons. And that's the philosophy that we as coaches need to bring about to power ourselves or power society in the right way. Oh, I love that. It's a perfect analogy. So that's, that's really what, for me, transformational leadership signifies. You're reminding me of a quote that I heard, and I hope I get this right. It's a quote from Socrates. He said, I cannot teach anybody anything. I can only help them learn. That's it. That's so well put, Terry. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I did mention Socrates earlier on, and I'm delighted that you reminded me of that quotation. It's, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. Well, I, you know what? I had it as a reminder for myself, taped right over top of my computer for about a year, <laughs> because I had to try to break my habit of trying to teach people things and instead try to draw things out of them. And really, when you talk about that rudder or the trim tab, I have to remember that because that is such a perfect metaphor for coaching. You're saying that that is what transforms. That's what helps somebody really move out of their comfort zone from where they've been and the skill set that they've got and the identity that they've got into something new and something better for themselves. For themselves. Yeah. You've captured it very well. It's brilliant. I love it. Today, we may ask ourselves the question, I'm just an individual. What can I do to change the world? I'm just a, a drop in the ocean. But it's not quite true. Because if applying leverage, which is what the trim tab, the mechanism does, and we all know this from childhood physics, that it all depends on how you apply leverage. If you go back to the basics of the fulcrum. But the pivot and the fulcrum, as we all know, and sports people know this better than others because that's where they, they get the power from. Yeah. Coaches can do that too. I mean, the coaches can act as that little trim tab that they have, move their clients and society in such a way they can bring about huge transformation. It starts small, but then, you know, sometimes these things have a momentum and pick up on their own. So that's what I believe is transformational leadership. It's all about, if I can put it in most simplistic term. You know, it's funny that you said about the mindset that goes into sport coaching and how effective it is at realizing that there's that leverage when it comes to organizational coaching or business coaching or executive coaching. Another example comes to mind for me, and that's Bill Campbell. Bill Campbell in the late 1990s and into the 2000s, one of the very first executive coaches out there, he came from a world of college football, and he was a coach. But he also had a brilliant career in business where he led as the CEO of Intuit. Mm -hmm. And just through happenstance, because of some of his board affiliations, he became the executive coach to Jeff Bezos from Amazon, mm -hmm. Larry Page, Sergey Brin, and Eric Schmidt from Google in the early days of Google. He became the executive coach to Steve Jobs and Tim Cook at Apple. And he became known in Silicon Valley as the coach. Everybody just called him mm. the coach. Mm. To this day, you won't find any books written by him, any movies on him. He wasn't in the spotlight. He was just sort of in the shadow, helping people to become better tomorrow than they were yesterday. But he started his whole career as a football coach. Mm. And he learned the art of helping people see their potential and leverage their potential like you talked about. And I think that that's really brilliant that you too had the same background as a sport coach. 
And now look where you're at, leading the International Association of Coaches and having the level of influence that you do have. You know, when you were speaking about that one word, potential, I'm reminded of sharing with you a, a little story that I tell a lot of people when they ask me, what does coaching mean to you? Yes, please. When people ask me, what is coaching? I normally go back and I tell them that, look, imagine that we are in some ancient times, in an ancient land where there was a sculptor. And he had this amazing ability to sculpt the most beautiful elephants. Because he was so very famous and made these beautiful elephants, the king of the kingdom, he came to know about it and decided to pay the sculptor a visit. And he lands up at the sculptor's doorstep, looking around, sees more of these absolutely brilliant pieces of sculpture that artist has created. He goes up to him and he says, this is so beautiful. Can you tell me how you do it? Now, that's a difficult question for an artist to answer if somebody is asking. But at the same time, you can't not answer your king. So his answer was pretty interesting because he said, whenever I decide to sculpt something, I go to the riverbed and I pick up this huge piece of stone and I cart it across to my studio and I keep it there. Every day, I wake up and I stand in front of the stone and I stare at it and nothing happens. Sometimes days pass. Weeks and even months may pass while I stand and stare at the stone and, you know, still nothing happens. Till one day, as I stare at the stone, I stop seeing a stone, but I see an elephant trapped inside the stone. And then I work feverishly to free that elephant from the stone. And that's exactly how I go about sculpting my pieces. For me, the coach is a sculptor. He sees the potential in the form of the elephant trapped in the people whom he's coaching, and his role, I would call it not a job so much, is to free that potential, that power that is trapped inside the other person, which the person probably doesn't even perceive that he or she has. And that's the philosophy. And that power is what goes towards transformation. That's the potential that is trapped inside somebody else. I've never heard anybody put it that way. And I'm so glad that you did, because that is succinct and it's right on point. And I really appreciate this. Krishna, listen, before we wrap up, if you don't mind, two questions for you. The first is this, what challenges do you see facing many of today's leaders? For me, the single biggest challenge that I see facing leaders today, whether they are world leaders, the presidents and prime ministers and the kings or whatever they are, or the CEOs of businesses, the single biggest is an absolute dilution of trust. Society, there is a huge dilution of trust that is taking place. And society actually found functions on a foundation of trust. And the trust is when fairness and shared values are demonstrated. But now it's actually imploding. And when that happens, you are seeing a situation where people are going into a ghetto mentality, where barriers are coming up, where the openness is no longer there. If you need inspired leadership, to actually happen, the first thing we need is to build back trust. You mentioned about my leading the IAC, the International Association of Coaching, and I want to mention that the IAC's foundation of coach training is based on the evolution and development by a team of many master coaches, which we call the Nine Mastery. And the very first of those Nine Masteries, and they don't go in any sequential order, but this is the number one is establishing and maintaining a relationship of trust. And for me, that, I think, is really the trim tab, the fulcrum on which 
uh, society can transform. And that's the challenge which we are seeing today. I couldn't agree more. And I think if you even look at other well-known sources on leadership, like Patrick Lencioni's Five Dysfunctions of Teams, the absolute foundation of those five dysfunctions is a lack of trust. And it goes exactly to what you're saying right now. So thank you very much for that. My second question to you is, what does inspired leadership mean to you? A simple line would be, an inspired leader should bring about transformation in society in a very positive way. Now, for an inspired leader to do that, he needs to have, uh, we spoke about trust, he needs to create that atmosphere of trust. But even before he can get to that, he needs to look within himself. And that's where coaching helps bring about leadership. And to look within himself, he needs to gain a very high degree of self-awareness. He needs to gain beyond self-awareness, awareness of society and an awareness of even how social awareness, multiple dimensions of awareness. I write about, I mean, I spoke about that in my aware model. There are so many dimensions of awareness which deal with your individual self, with the other person and with society at large. I even say awareness has strategic dimension. The trouble is that most of the time, leaders are not very good at looking within themselves. They get caught within an atmosphere where they allow, I would say, events to carry them through and the damage comes much later. Great leaders have that enormous capacity to look within themselves, understand their own failings, go beyond that to see what power is required to move society in the right way. So that's what I I think would work. You know, uh, Krishna, I've helped people go through dozens and dozens of 360 assessments with my clients. But there's one thing that's always common when I do a 360 assessment. They're always surprised when they realize that they don't see themselves exactly the same way as other people see them. There are always blind spots. There are always opportunities for, as you described it, raising that awareness of self and how effective you are, how you're coming across, how impactful you may be. So another really good answer. And my last question for you is this, Krishna, if people want to connect with you, and I know they're going to want to, how can they find you? I would be more than delighted to have any of the people listening in connect with me. You're very welcome to share my contact details, my coordinates with the listeners, Terry. And I would look forward to they're connecting with me and continuing the conversation. This has really been important for us to hear and also for people that have maybe not appreciated the type of impact that coaching can have. I think that this is going to be very beneficial for them as well. So thank you so much for being part of the Inspiring Leaders podcast. Thank you so much, Terry, for having me on this podcast. And it was an absolute pleasure to have this conversation with you. And believe me, I think I learned as much from you, and I do hope you learned a little from me. So thank you again. I also want to say a huge thanks to our listeners as well. I hope that you're enjoying the interviews that we've been having today as well as other previous episodes. And remember, we want to hear from you. We want you to leave your comments on iTunes and SoundCloud and also provide your feedback on our website, ubiquityleadership.com slash podcast. Just look for the survey button. And give us your feedback. Let us know what you'd like to hear, how you'd like to hear it. We really do value your feedback. So 
Thank you, everybody, for listening in on this. Thank you again to Krishna, and we'll see you guys again next time. Thanks again, and bye for now. 